Welcome to the Borough Life Podcast with James and Rosie. Every month we chat to local guests to celebrate the great things happening in and around Wigan Borough. Let's get started, shall we? Hi, Rosie. Hi, James. We're back with a new episode of the podcast. It's a big week for us because Borough Life magazine should be coming through your letterboxes round about now. Borough Life Plus will be up and running in the next few days, so we've got a lot going on. And as ever, we've got some fantastic guests on today's episode, including our cover stars from the magazine and someone coming in to talk about a very important topic. So, Rosie, to stop me whispering on who we got on the episode. I thought you were going to give some spoilers there, James. So today we've got Andy, Sarah and Raph, who you might recognise from Channel 4's Bake Off the Professionals. They're from Harwood's Patisserie in Standish, so we headed down there to have a chat to them. And we chatted to Jane from Wigan Borough's Domestic Abuse Service about how we all have a role to play in spotting the signs of domestic abuse. Yeah, it's a, another great episode and I've just been doing a bit of a check whilst you've been talking. It's episode 10. We're in double figures. Into double figures, exactly. So yeah, it's always nice meeting someone from off the telly, isn't it? That it was is, really good is. fun, wasn't it? Visiting the, uh, their shop up in Standish and it won't make the edit. But we were talking to them about the fact that some people came second and third in the team's bake-off competition, didn't they? Shout out to Karen from our team who won. Rosie was bronze and I got the silver. So that's a exclusive for the podcast. But so we get on with it, Rosie, rather than talking about our baking skills, we go over to the experts. Yep, let's go. So welcome back to the Borough Life podcast. Myself and Rosie have been allowed out of the town hall again, so it's always good to make a little trip around the borough. We're in Standish at Harwoods. So guys, could you please introduce yourself and tell us tell us why we're here today? Hi, I'm Andy, owner of Harwoods Patisserie with my wife, Sarah. We're just here for a little chat about the bake-off and business in general. I'm Raph. I was a participant with Andy at the bake-off. And I'm Sarah, the other half of Harwoods Patisserie. So, guys, it, it's it's really great to be here. Could you just tell us a little bit about the, the history behind Harwoods, like where the, the company kind of started up from, and then kind of could you bring us around to the how you ended up being on, on our TV screens? So we originally started on Artisan Market, so I've been a pastry chef all my career. I started training as a general chef, I suppose, in the hot kitchen and then moved on to pastry fairly fast in those early years. And then... Later on, did lots of things throughout my career, which led us then to uh, looking at shops. And we just decided one day that why not give it a go? Why not give it a try? I roped Sarah in. So uh, Sarah was working at a nursery at the time, looking after little ones. Yeah. And we, we sort of just started our some markets. So we started doing chocolates, some of the desserts as well, just to see what the market was like, see if people liked them, see if people wanted them. That went really well. We enjoyed the artisan markets, but... You were getting up and going to different areas and different spaces all the time. And then we live in the village and Sarah's family's from Standish and she's lived here all her life. And we sort of thought it was missing just what we could offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this shop became available and we just thought, should we give it a go? Should we give it a try? And it's it's a big risk when you're not going to banks or you're not going to big investors and saying can I borrow all this money and can you give me a load of money and it's fine when it's someone else's money but we did it ourselves we decided you know we don't want to be that that sort of business uh we want it to be a community business where people could come in just for a chat um which which they do um and we just thought maybe we could offer something different 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons we haven't done things like coffee or um, sandwiches and things like that, because there's a lot of other cafes and restaurants mm-hmm. in the area. Yes. So yeah, we, we put a plan together, decided what do we need? What do we need to offer? What price points do we need to hit? So we started talking to the local community and just seeing, you know, what, what they wanted. We did a few Christmas markets, the Standish Christmas market, which every year is very popular. You know, it gets absolutely packed and it's great to see all the community come together and just talk to each other and see what's different. Once we sort of got the shop, it was a case of then making it work, which is the hard part. You know, you it's fine having a dream and, and having the rest of it, but you really got to make it work. So once we got the shop, it was really headstone and, you know, let's let's try and make this product work for the community. So we priced it as, as fairly as we could, um, given the prices of ingredients and things at the time. Um, and then obviously, as, as the years went on, we sort of settled into the business. So then we opened up the cookery classes upstairs, and that was year two. Uh, and they went really well, really popular. Again, we had a lot of people from the community come and see what we do. And it gives people an insight to the depth that goes into things you know the time it takes to make the the handmade chocolates and the macarons it gives people a really sort of eye opener to to what they're buying and then year three again we were like okay where we're going what we're doing bake off had been in touch numerous times just to say are you interested Uh, would you like to do it for years both of us me and raf had both been sort of offered and and spoke to them about it so sorry so i was just going to interested there so are they almost they're on the lookout for businesses like like yourself that offer that could go on the program so they're always got the feelers out to try and convince people to come on so there's there's two parts to it so yeah they do advertise they'll they'll have an advertisement on their applications and they'll open um and then on on the flip side to that they'll send out sort of general social media requests or you know would you like to apply for the bake-off as such and then it's down to you then to obviously yeah. make that first contact as in, yeah, we might be interested and, yeah. and whatever. So then after that, what happens is you, you basically have a phone call. So you say, yeah, I'm interested. Someone will phone you and say, you know, what do you do? Like, who are you? Tell us a bit about yourself. They'll look into your business and who you're doing it with. So when Andy, I was actually on holiday in Brazil. I'm Brazilian from Italian parents. And Andy said, do you want to do the bake-off? And I said, why not? And he was expecting me to say no. <laughs> so it's his fault. <laughs> it was actually Sarah's fault. She's the one that said that. Yeah, I just actually said, I'll only do it if Ras does it. So yeah. if he says no, I won't do it. And then... So that, that's why we <laughs> worked out so well. Yeah, and then and that's how it all started. Obviously, there is a, there is a power of excellence to, to achieve. You can't, you know, yeah, yeah. you've got to be able to deliver what they're asking for. Yeah. And obviously, House Patisserie has that. And we went down to London and we did an audition. We didn't expect it. They mic'd us up and we didn't expect to meet the judges there and then, but they kind of prepared us for it. And then, boom, we were there. The judges were there, cameras. And yeah. I was going to say, so one of, the, one of the things I was interested in is obviously, you know, very experienced at what you guys do and, you know, experts in, in, in your field. And But was there a moment where, you know, like the cameras were switched on and it was like, oh, right, it's, it's the first time, you know, I'm going to be on telly, like a bit of a realisation that, you, you know, like the eyes are on you type thing? I think, yeah, for the, for the first episodes, you're obviously nervous, so you've got that sort of like gut-wrenching feeling. Mm. But most of it's mainly just to do with the fact that you're going into a, 
unfamiliar situation. Mm. So, you know, the, the, the kitchen you've never seen before, you've never used the ovens before, and you know you're going to go into that with uh, a secret challenge or a, a, a showpiece to make. And you can do as much practice as you want, but as soon as you're taken out of your comfort environment, it's completely alien atmosphere mm. to you. For me, I never, I never got nervous about the cameras and everything because everyone always says to me, oh, you look really calm when you did it. And I just think I'm in my environment. So, you know, it's like going into anyone's workplace and saying, oh, you're really good at that. Well, yeah, because we've been doing it for 15, 20 years. So I think when I'm in a kitchen, I just sort of level out a bit and my mind just goes into a place of not really taking in what's going on around you. Um, sometimes that can be bad because obviously someone's talking to you and you're not really sort of listening to what they say. And um, when, uh, especially on, on the Bake Off, so you've got obviously the, the judges um, and, and the presenters and they'll come in at just sort of random stages, obviously, and, and talk to you a bit like you see on the TV. They'll, they'll come in and say, oh, what are you doing? Or, oh, I heard you like this or whatever. And you might be doing a caramel. I think Raph was making a caramel. Yeah, was, and, yeah. You know, he sort of just touched the sugar with his with his finger, and and I was doing something, and I I I cut one of my my fingers doing it. So that's a little bit nerve wracking. Mm. But um, do you feel a bit like saying, "Will you just go away, come, <laughs> come back in ten minutes"? Where I've done this complicated bit, and then yeah, they did that, didn't they? In the final, the few of the other contestants like that, leave me, like yeah, yeah. It's not all time, but and 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 obviously they the the production company are fully aware that obviously we're in that environment and um they've been doing it for years so they're experts at what they're doing we never had a situation ever where they said you know no we need to get this or whatever it was always it was always based around the chefs and the contestants to to a certain degree yeah and we were talking a bit before about sort of the timings and what it's like behind the scenes so can you tell us a bit you've, you've touched a bit on sort of the secret challenges but what was that like you didn't get any kind of idea beforehand, did you? No, so yeah, everything you see on on screen is exactly how it happens. So especially with the secret challenges is is a good example really. You sort of go into to a room, you get ready, and you go on to set, and then exactly what you see is what we see. So one of the presenters will say, Good morning, blah blah blah. Then the judges will say, We would like you to make this. And then you pull off that sort of towel that they put over the cloth and you've got all these ingredients in front of you and then you've got to figure out how you're going to make that secret challenge. So Gatto Opera, I think, for us at the start. It was the first, Opera of Flea was the first yeah. one. And then you've just got to go, right, okay. So I think the first one, the Gatto Opera, was we had a basic recipe. So we had a list of ingredients and a list of methods. But those methods would be something like make sponge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, mixed mixed black currant mousse, and you were like, if you weren't sort of confident with the list of ingredients, you couldn't figure out what went into the mousse and what went into the sponge. And if you didn't know how to make a jacon sponge, you had no clue of how to mix that. And if you mixed it wrong, you weren't going to get a jacon sponge. So that's that's the challenge. Uh, not only do you not know, but then obviously the plated dessert, we didn't have anything. So I think you saw you saw me on screen like, do we have a recipe? And they were like, no. <laughs> and I looked at Ralph and I was like, he looked at me like, uh, what do we do? And then Ralph gone. Yeah. <laughs> so then obviously, I think for us, 
we always bounced off each other. So if I struggled, I looked at Raf and, you know, he was there to comfort that and vice versa. If, if Raf was struggling with something, he looked at me and I said, don't worry, it's fine. I know what I'm doing. You do this instead. And we just did that between us, didn't we? Really? Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah. The secret challenges, I mean, the last one was ours coming in to do a vegan dessert and the chef was actually there. And that was the first time they've ever done that on the Bake Off, bringing a celebrity chef into the set and obviously watching us whilst we're doing it. So that was an incredible challenging challenge. <laughs> but it was so rewarding at the end, you know, when he said we had the best one on the table and it was like amazing to just recreate something that somebody's already created and matching the expectations that he was expecting of us. Mm. So I'm interested as well. I realised that the, you know, the, the filming will have been done Maybe like, you know, are we talking weeks, months, months in advance of actually being on air? So months. So like, the, I'm just interested in kind of like the reaction in, in the shop, but after like the episodes were on, like our, our colleagues in the office yeah. would always get excited that some of the stuff that you, you were working on in each episode would be available in, in the shop that week. Yeah. So what, what was the reaction like in the, like in the community and, and, you know, as the episodes were airing? Yeah, the support we had was incredible, yeah. It actually blew our minds a little bit. We thought people would be interested, but yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> it was really good, Jane. <laughs> Everybody was really supportive and coming in saying how well they did. Yeah, yeah. I think people, when we first announced it, were like, oh, that's really good, but when they started winning a lot, everyone was like, actually, you are really good. And we had people travelling from everywhere, yeah, all around the northwest, and they even had people that are from, like, down south, but visiting family up here and... Yeah. Calling on the way to places, which again always blows my mind. So, especially when we're like a little village, a little a very small business, and then we've got people that are like, Oh, we saw you on TV, I live in Devon, but I'm visiting my family in Preston. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and again, we we send out chocolate boxes so people can order online. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot more orders for those again, all around the country from the Highlands of Scotland to Essex. So, that again for us is amazing. And I think. From hearing what you're saying there, obviously everyone was rooting for you, but the local community really was. And so, uh, some of the things that you do, like obviously the lessons, how important is it for you to kind of take the community on that journey with you? Yeah, it's it's really important for us. Um, without them, we just we do we wouldn't be here. And I know people say that all the time, and you think, oh, really, would you not? But you just wouldn't. I mean, when we first did it, we sort of didn't really go in it thinking we would win or even thinking we would do as well as mm. we did. And going back to the sort of, were you nervous? The nervous part is knowing that you're this sort of small community business. So yeah, it, it's it's dead important that people supported us. And, and when it started to happen and the ball started rolling, we were a bit shocked by it. We were a bit like, wow, you know, it's it's really nice to see, you know, the, the, the classes, they're all local people that want to learn what we do. And we love that, and that's exactly what we wanted to build, and that's exactly what we wanted to open. And I think if it didn't happen like that, we we wouldn't have been upset about it because we didn't expect it. So for us, it was it was really nice that everyone got behind us. But again, we've had lots of people stop us in the street and say, you know what, that gave me something to do every week, and it was really nice to eat one of your desserts while the show was on, and it really sort of picked up the spirit of the community. And that's probably the nicest part of, of everything, really. And you guys, you know, did us all proud. So absolutely fantastic. Just, I'm just dead keen to, to know like what you, because before you was kind of mapping out your journey year one, year two, you know, 
where do you go from here? Like, what have you got some grand plans for like the the, the upcoming years? I think in in general, it's it's difficult times at the minute for everybody. We had plans to maybe open another shop and grow the business slightly. We work with Wigan and Lee College for apprenticeships, so one of them's just passed, and we've got another young lad that's finishing school that knocked on our door and said, "Can you give me an apprenticeship?" Which Amazing, yeah. these right. days he's he's rare. I mean, as soon as he did that, I was like, "I've got to see this kid because mm. it's like." Who does that nowadays? You know, he came and he's like, give me a job. You know, I'm, I'm 15 and we were like, you're just too young. Like, you're not even in college. He's not even done his GCSEs yet. But I said to Sarah, I said, I can't let this kid just not do anything. So we've offered him sort of a, a, a mentor role where we'll mentor him through his GCSEs and we'll help him with his, his final exam. Brilliant. But yeah, we, me and Raf both would like to do some more cookery demonstrations as well together just just build really just go from what we've got and try and make things stronger so i've got one final question and um, i don't know if james knows any more but mine's very big coffee what was your favorite week and what was your favorite thing to make that's a good question oh so that's a tough one to be fair i think mine was the vegan dessert because i've never made it before and that was like for me and like i said having him there it made it all different what was yours I think for me, the secret challenges, especially the plated dessert, initially very scary, but actually once we got our heads together and figured out what we were doing, I always think that challenges like that really show the chef's capabilities and that shows who the sort of better chefs are and who the chefs are panic a little bit and can't quite handle that situation. So I think for me, when we did well on the secret challenges, we sort of like, showed our capabilities i was just so happy with us as a a team and our friendship just got stronger from the whole process because we we learned how to sort of rely on each other and and look after each other so that was good and there was a little secret to to tell about that challenge we finished probably about half an hour (laughs) (laughs) we're sat there having a cup of tea weren't we yeah We still had two and a half hours to do it, and we fit, we completed really yeah, an hour quickly. Half. Yeah, an hour and a half, maybe two hours. <laughs> let's say. What are you guys like? <laughs> Sorry. Brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank yeah. you, Rosie. I enjoyed that trip to Harwood so much. It was it was great to hear that kind of behind the scenes insight into what it's like being on a such a big television show, and uh, we really enjoyed it, didn't we? Definitely, and do go and check out the magazine for even more inside news. We'd like to say a big thank you to the team there at Harwoods because they've been so accommodating. We wish them all the best for the future and building on that Bake Off success. So Rosie, what else have we got coming up in, in this episode? So after the ad breaks, do stick around because we'll be chatting to Jane from Wigan Borough Domestic Abuse Service. With one in five adults all affected by domestic abuse in their lifetime, this couldn't be a more important topic to address. So please do stick around for that one. Wigan Borough has so many independent businesses right on your doorstep waiting for you to explore. These local gems offer the very best in food and drink, fashion, gifts and much more. Celebrate local, love local. Visit wigan.gov.uk forward slash support local. Hi everyone, so welcome back to the Borough Life podcast and we're joined by a guest today 
who's going to talk to us about a very important topic. So Jane, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, hi, I'm Jane Martin. I'm the current Chief Officer for Dias Domestic Violence Centre and I currently run Wigan Borough Domestic Abuse Service. So Jane, it's great to have you here with us in the studio today. Just to start off, could you just tell us a little bit about the work that your service provides and, and what it does throughout the borough? Yeah, of course. So we operate a helpline. Anyone that's impacted by domestic abuse, it doesn't have to be the, the direct victim. The helpline's open from 8am till 6pm Monday to Friday. We offer drop-ins at two centres across the borough. So one in Wigan at Dyer's Domestic Violence Centre on King Street. And the other drop-in centre is the Well Women's Centre in Lee. And they're open from 8 till 3, Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. We also offer appointments for face-to-face support for those that don't feel comfortable coming to the drop-ins and they can be anywhere within the borough at GP practices, um, Startwell centres, the family hub, wherever someone feels comfortable to meet one-to-one with one of my support workers. We also offer counselling and programmes around recovery from domestic abuse relationships and we go into schools to deliver healthy relationship sessions to all school-aged children in the borough. It's a lot of activity there, isn't it, across the borough? And it, domestic abuse is a is a topic that it's across the country. It's it's an issue that a lot of local authorities and different organisations are, are trying to tackle because, unfortunately, it is something that's present within our society. So, one of the things that we'd like to talk to you today about is the Wigan Borough Love Is Not Abuse campaign. So, Wigan Council and members of the PR team have worked really closely with your colleagues over the last few years in terms of. of getting this this campaign out and about now people will have seen the artwork at various places and will have seen some of the articles in borough life in the last few editions about the campaign it really focuses in on what it's terms as that the, the red flags of domestic abuse could you maybe just talk to us a little bit about some people might have a perception of domestic abuse that it is physical violence or you know uh, of that nature but there's a lot more to the behaviors isn't there that, that people might identify with and and that we'd like to kind of raise awareness of yeah absolutely so you know it is prevalent no one's immune from being in a relationship that has abuse in it so you know regardless of your age your gender your sexual orientation your cultural background what you do for a living there's always the potential to be in an abusive relationship and it isn't just physical violence as you said there's a lot of other things that come into an abusive relationship financial control coercive control in behavior emotional abuse sexual abuse so it can manifest in very different forms stalking and harassment surveillance through social media so it isn't just as obvious as being assaulted there's a lot of different red flag behaviours. Some of them is where you, you know, you're being asked where you are all the time to prove where you are. Because of technology, it's quite easy to, to do that now. Show me where you are, FaceTime me, um, pin yourself on a map, whatever it may be. And if someone's wanting to do that to exercise control over you, that really isn't okay. Um, wanting to check your bank statements, wanting to time when you've been to the shop, how long it takes you checking your receipts to see what you've bought calling and commenting on what you're wearing when you want to go out with your friends, not believing who you're out with. There's so many different things that on their own might not be that big a problem, but when you combine them with other things, it can can be quite concerning behaviour. So if anyone's got any concerns about that or they're not sure whether it is or it isn't something to be concerned about, 
the helpline's there to have that conversation with a qualified domestic abuse worker to talk through those behaviours. We're not here to say whether you are or aren't in a relationship. We're here to offer the support if you are. That's such an important point there that it, the helpline that was set up through this campaign has been running for a number of years now. It's there, isn't it, for vice, isn't it? So it, it, friends or family or even if it's a neighbour or someone in your community that you might have just spotted something that you might be a little bit concerned about or whether it's just you want general advice that that's what they like you said those qualified call handlers will be able to to have a chat and and give you that that expert guidance yeah absolutely that's what it's there for so you know it's really difficult to be around someone that's experiencing an abusive relationship and there'll be many reasons why they will still be in that situation It's things like don't tell them to leave if that's not something they're ready to be considering. Don't judge them, be supportive, ask open questions. And like I said, our helpline's there for anyone that is trying to support someone through that, a concerned neighbour, a concerned colleague. You know, we are here to listen. It's a confidential service um, and we will help you the best way we can. I've got the figure here that says you get over 150 calls every week. Yeah. Obviously, that's a really quite significant figure isn't it yeah and and it is a significant figure and i suppose it's it's sometimes difficult isn't it with the with fig um the facts and figures around uh domestic abuse because i suppose there's one way of looking at it that there's a lot of calls but it's positive that people are reaching out because that's the, the raising of the awareness isn't it so in some ways the, the the high number of calls means that people are getting to know identifying the signs and are asking for advice which is a positive absolutely it means people are are recognizing that there is support out there and that you know there is things that can be put in place there is help there is support so for me the more calls the better it means that that message is getting out there and this isn't something that needs to be remain hidden and kept behind closed doors so 16 days of action which was launched last week with the white ribbon day So can you tell us a bit more about that and what your involvement is as the Wigan Borough Domestic Abuse Service? Yes, so the 16 Days of Action is about taking a stand against gender-based violence. So there's different things that will be taking place during the 16 days. For us as a service, whilst obviously we are heavily involved in that and the promotion of that, we do that each and every day anyway. Mm. So we are here and... We are here regardless of gender. As a service, we do recognise that anyone can be a victim, anyone can be impacted by domestic abuse, and we are the service to support those people. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point, isn't it? The council and your service, obviously, are working all year round on this issue. I know that the team, Rosie, and our team that helps put it, the Love Is Not Abuse campaign together with the with the service, we're really keen that it needed a real voice and the quotes that you'll see on the artwork of the red flags come from real people who've come through the service. What I think is one of the contributing successes behind the Love Is Not Abuse campaign is the fact that it has been heavily influenced by those within the Wigan Borough that have lived experience so they've been through an abusive relationship in in some form or other and they have had to utilise services. They've had engagement with the police, social care, and services like Wigan Borough Domestic Abuse Service, and they are the ones that can then say, this is the changes that need to happen, this is what we wish had been in place for ourselves, this is what we would like to see for other people in the future, and they massively influence projects like Love Is Not Abuse. We currently facilitate the Experts by Experience group, and they are making massive changes, not just within the borough, but you know across greater Manchester and possibly beyond because they are really asking 
some difficult questions and challenging the right people to try and get changes that won't rewrite their history but will be positive changes for people coming into services like ours in the future and jane i was going to ask just from a personal perspective with your, with your role i imagine it, it, it can be really challenging i guess you're in situations that are really tough circumstances and could you maybe talk uh, just a little bit about the fact that it, it, on the flip side it must be very rewarding because you and your teams are you're making a real difference out there aren't you and and in the changing people's lives when when they come through the service yeah absolutely i'm very fortunate to lead a team of fantastic people that get up and show up each and every single day with the same attitude which is to to help people that need it and yes there's no denying it the topic is is a sensitive one we see and hear some very distressing things that you know if you did a standard nine to five job you'd probably never even consider those things but as I say, we get up and we show up every day because we, we want to make a difference to these people's lives. And for me, the successes don't lie in conviction rates and court processes and things like that. For me, it's when someone genuinely gets back to their real self because these type of relationships take so much from people. They ruin your self-esteem, they ruin your confidence. And when you've got someone that genuinely feels a lot better about themselves, looks forward to the future, has hope, has a better relationship with the children, the friends, the family, for me, that that's the motivation and that's where the success lies. And I know that each and every member of my team feels exactly the same way about that. It's it's inspirational, that, because I think our, our team as well, working alongside the service and, and putting together the, the campaign, I know that, it, that they feel really passionately about it as well. We've obviously covered quite a lot in this episode that people might kind of see themselves in that situation or family, friends, loved ones. So if you are after support, please do go to wigan.gov.uk forward slash domestic abuse. And there's an option to leave that website immediately if you want to. There's a button but Jane, could you tell us a bit more about how they can get in touch with the helpline? Yeah, so our helpline is available Monday to Friday, 8am till 6pm. If you want to contact us outside of those hours, there is a voicemail facility. You will be contacted as long as it's safe for us to do so. So if you, you can't ring us during those hours, please feel free to leave a voicemail and we'll get back to you when it's safe to do so. You can also contact us via email if that's a safer option. And that's admin at diasdvc.org. And there's our drop-ins that are available Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, 8am till 3pm. And that's at Dias Domestic Violence Centre in Rodney House on King Street in Wigan Town Centre, just opposite Revolution Bar. And we're the same days and times at the Well Women's Centre, which is the old courthouse, Wormsley Road in Lee. Thanks very much for that, Jane. And, and just to cover off, I think it is something that we we uh, have been through earlier on, but just the, the key message to anyone who's listening that, that might have a concern or just needs a little bit of advice, just call the, the helpline or reach out to, to you guys. That's the, that's the key message. Yeah, absolutely. There's no judgment. We're here to help. One in five adults will be impacted directly by domestic abuse in their lifetime. So you're not alone. We're here to help you. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks very Jane. much for coming in. So thanks, Jane, for coming in and sharing all that with us. If you are in need of support, please do head to our website. We'll put all the links and the numbers in the description of the podcast so you'll be able to get to them. Thanks, Rosie. Yeah, that was really insightful, wasn't it, to speak to Jane and hear us speak with such authority on, on those topics and 
to identify the, the things that we, we should all be looking out for. And, and as we've said before, we all have a role to play when it comes to domestic abuse and, and gender-based violence. So, yeah, Rosie, we've come to the end of another episode. Number 10. Number 10, double figures, as we've said previously. If, well, as ever, if people want to go through all the Borough Life content, podcast episodes, Borough Life Plus, the previous magazines, the new magazine, where do they find it, Rosie? Check the descriptions below or head to wigan.gov.uk forward slash Borough Life and it'll all be there waiting for you. And we'll be back later in December with a bit of a special episode, a roundup of our favourite bits of year one of the Borough Life podcast. Yeah, absolutely, James. We've had some great guests over the last year, haven't we? And it'll be great to kind of remember some of those moments. But for now, thanks very much, Rosie. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.